Hello, friends, and welcome to this new episode of the Creative Insider. In this episode, we have the very inspiring multicultural architect and entrepreneur, Irgen Saliani. He and his partner, Carolina, have founded the award-winning architectural office, Architects for Urbanity, which is based in Rotterdam. We went through so many topics, so I suggest you to enjoy the talk. It was super inspirational. I want also to thank you for the support so far. You've been super amazing. Thank you. And I want to remind you that the show is totally free. So if you like, you can support it by subscribing, sharing with your friends and family, and giving a good rate, whatever, wherever you're listening. You can also follow the show on Instagram uh, at, at TCI Podcast and the Facebook page and the LinkedIn page, The Creative Insider, where you'll find further guest-related information and other content which is creativity-related. So thanks and enjoy the talk. The whole world stops just like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this uh, new episode. Uh, today, I'm honored to present to you my new guest, which is Irgen um, Salani from uh, Architects for Urbanity. Hi, Irgen. How are you? Hi, Gorgi. Thanks very much for having me here. And um, I think it's very exciting work that you have started doing with the podcast. Uh, I'm curious to see how it will evolve. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, for the people, they don't know. Um, I know Jürgen through the blog of Federico. So you are kind of the consequent guest of Federico. And um, I know you also because you have done um, a big project for Bulgaria, which is my country of uh, origin. You have won the competition for the Varna Library a few years ago, right? Yeah, yeah that was in 2015. Yeah, yeah, so it was very remarkable for me, that project. Thanks, yeah. Federico was nice. We worked uh, back in 2015 at Meccano at the time. That's how we got to, to know each other and we collaborated first time for the library. Um, you, you did a good job because you got the first prize. <laughs> yeah, it was a very hard job. Uh, a team of five people working on it. And uh, basically, it was also a nice moment for us because we had lost so many competitions until that point um, that uh, basically it was, yeah, it was a, a right moment for us to, to win something and um, and set up an office, yeah. basically. I think that sounds uh, very rewarding. But uh, let's start from the beginning because I've been talking to you in the last few days, uh, let's say weeks, to, to set up this podcast and... Uh, um, I think you have a very fascinating also personal international story because um, you have been born in Albania, right? Yeah, yeah. so basically I am Albanian uh, from the city of Pogradec. And uh, in 97, basically, where Albania was going through a difficult, uh, a big crisis, uh, kind of internal revolt, we, we migrated to Greece, to Kretam. And, um, and basically, I, I grew up from eight years old on uh, in, in Crete, and I studied in Greece, in Volos. Uh, and basically, then I, I also have the Greek nationality, and I also have a Greek feeling, let's say. So I feel uh, both Albanian and Greek. 
Yeah, I, I have the same thing because I've moved to Italy when I was seven. So I feel Bulgarian, but I have this uh, part of my personality, which is um, a little Italian, also the culture because of my education. So I I can see your point. And um, how did you or when in your life you got interested into architecture and how did you decide into involving yourself into studying architecture? Basically, uh, I mean, I grew up in Creta in the island, so a very remote and kind of isolated uh, location. So basically, I did not have many stimulus um, regarding architecture when I was uh, at school, let's say, but... Uh, somehow uh, I had a friend whose father was a designer and when we were like 15 years old or 16 we, we came in, in contact with the software first of all so we started doing AutoCAD and ARCHICAD uh, almost like playing uh, with the software and that was my first let's say contact and then looking for what what the, the, the father of my friend was doing um, and then when I was in high school uh, in a very small village in Creta uh, we had a very uh, interesting um, director of the high school, and um, he managed. I asked him the, the books that were about the technical and and the freehand drawing. There were some books back then to to in order to qualify for for the studies in architecture. And uh, although we had no teacher to 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 teach um, those lessons, uh, this director got found me the books somehow, uh, and then I got these books and. And I got very excited, let's say, although I didn't understand much. Uh, it kind of lighted a spark. And then I went uh, to study probably the, um, the freehand and the technical drawing uh, to prepare for the exams. In Greece, you have to give the special exams uh, for all the architecture schools next to the normal exams that you give to qualify for any university. And then the moment that I got, in, I, I, I went to this lab where we got a, prep, a preparation for two years. I, then it got clear, got more clear for me what was the aim, let's say, what I was, where I was going for, what architecture start unfolding, let's say. And of course, But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And of course, you know, when I was um, just before the exams, then we would also go into the website of the schools that were hoping to 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 get admitted and then uh the the curriculum especially the curriculum in the school that i actually um studied got uh, already started looking very exciting you know you you would see that there were lessons about drawing about architecture about art about history of art and i was trying to see if there is any mathematics or any physics <laughs> all these boring lessons that we had enough at school basically were not there uh, or for the most part they were not there or they were mixed with with architectural studies so in that sense It was a crescendo of um, getting to know the profession before entering the university and getting excited on that way. Um, But this was your high school, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was before the university, let's say. This is how I got in in, in touch with, with what architecture. And of course, I remember there was also this, um, like the first time that I went to the university, like in September, Uh, on the on the boat on the ships uh, to from from Creta to to Athens, there was this um, magazine in which they had interviewed Renzo Piano. It was at that time, 2008, when Renzo Piano first got the commission for the Stavros Niarchos Cultural Center in Athens, very big project. And uh, and so I was reading this um, 
interview in that magazine, I had no idea who Lorenzo Piano was. But that was a very, very uh, influential, let's say, reading. Uh, it got me very excited. Yeah, it sounds like a story of passion because um, I, I started myself in a high school of art and we got taught all this uh, drawing um, in school. So I didn't need to push myself out of my uh, comfort zone as you did. And uh, in, at which university have you studied in uh, Greece? So I studied to the, uh, it's called the University of Thessaly. It's in the city of Volos. Uh, it's between Thessaloniki and Athens, uh, geographically speaking. It's a, it's a, it's, it was a young uh, university back then. It was only 10 years in operation or a bit less. Um, so in that sense, uh, I, I failed to, to, to qualify for Athens or Thessaloniki, which was my first choice. And, and so I went a bit um, not knowing what to expect. Not many people at the time had graduated from this university that I could ask and get feedback. But it turned to be uh, a, a very exciting um, university. Basically, the personnel, the staff, the professors were very young and very uh, driven um, just because they were setting up this university themselves, right? So they had to, they had set up all the curriculum, all the lessons, all the briefs themselves. And uh, somehow it was really, really exciting uh, to be there uh, just before the crisis um, and very, very open-minded and experimental uh, curriculum. Um, yeah. And um, I saw you have um, had an experience, an international experience also in, uh, in Italy. Uh, which, which university did you go to in Italy? Or did you take part of the Erasmus program, if I'm not wrong? Yeah, so basically, uh, on my third year, I did in, uh, in the city of Reggio Calabria, in, uh, in south of Italy. Um, I initially wanted to go to Milan, but uh, I didn't get the spot um, because I didn't speak Italian at the time. And there were two spots for Reggio Calabria. Uh, and so then I, uh, I decided to go with my best friend. And, uh, and uh, luckily enough, there were these two spots where we could go together. So anyway, in Milan, not even myself, I could go, I could qualify. But, but in this one, we did, we did go together. And that was uh, actually a very nice decision. Not only because I met my partner there um, in 2011, but also because although the university was not that good quality, um, life was very exciting because we were a small group of Erasmus, um, like 50 people, 50 students. And uh, the locals were, were very relaxed and engaged, let's say, with us. And it was very cheap. Yeah, South of uh, Italy are very welcoming people in general. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a small society in the sense, small city. Like, I'm not sure if I would like to live there uh, for long, let's say. Uh, but because of that, people were very close to us and very welcoming, let's say. So we, we, we felt very embraced and uh, because it was also very cheap uh, context city, we also had um, the chance to travel a lot. Um, and uh, and so as a complete as a total experience was I think very rewarding and very um, uh, yeah very rewarding basically. 
But the way of uh, being educated in Greece and in Italy, was it very different? Or because, for example, um, I always make this example that when I came to, I'm, I feel also very lucky because I got half of my education in Italy and half of my education in Germany. And the Italian architectural education I studied at the University La Sapienza in Rome, it was very focused on uh, architectural theory, how to design, how to do to do to do a good design, and when I came to Germany, it was um, I studied in a university of applied sciences, so mm-hmm. I studied more about how to get your projects constructed from the technology technological point of view. Uh, so that gave me a very good overview, and I got this combination of how to design and how to make it um, buildable. Let's say. Where was it a big difference between the way you've been educated in Greece and in Italy? Yeah, I think it's a very big discussion. Um, for me also, I start having a very specific opinion about ed- education. Um, I think, um, and, and I think like most of the education that you can get as an architect is basically outside of the school. Um, but uh, I think the education, architectural education is extremely different within Greece. We only have, uh, I believe, six. Now there are more than six uh, universities, but basically the old ones like in Athens or in Thessaloniki and the new ones like in Volos and, or in Hania in Creta, they have a, a huge difference uh, of approach between them. Uh, the one, the newer, the newer ones being more uh, open and alternative and uh, uh, free in the sense that they don't have a history uh, to 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 support and be binded by. And so the other universities in Greece, from what, as far as I'm concerned, are more uh, more modernist in the old school sense of it. But in Italy, I think um, I guess that there are also big differences within the universities within Italy but I think the the, the, the university in, in Reggio Calabria was more focused on um, on technical issues uh, but but in I would say in standard technical issues like there was not much talk about innovation or experimentation I saw it very flat in that sense and it, there was a lot about uh, law and the regulations, a lot of lessons and a lot of attention given to that, which I also found a bit uh, underwhelming. Um, so in that sense, for me, education is nice when it uh, kind of gives you options because architect- architecture as a profession is so broad. You can become a photographer, an artist, an architect, a technical person. Um, and I think the university should give those options, should unfold those options to the students. Uh, in that sense, elective lessons, I think, is are quite very important. And I didn't find that uh, in Italy that much. But uh, as, yeah, I said, as I said, I think, I think, you know, in such a big country like Italy, probably the universities f- focus or they should focus more on the on the context where they are based, right? So if you are close to this to, in a touristic area, maybe should have more lessons about tourism. If you are more in an industrial area, maybe there are more industrial lessons. I think that would be a nice um, nice feature. Although as a visitor, you would maybe not appreciate it, but 
as a connection to the local economy and to the local culture. So I, I, I cannot say much about Reggio Calabria because I was there only nine months. Um, but I, I think there were much to be desired um, in the sense that, yeah, like, as I said, I think it should be more about stimulus and about ways of doing things. Um, and for the rest, then you should be able to choose yourself and explore outside of the universities. Um, but I think that in Italy, all the university, the first very much um, among each other, a very a lot too, because, for example, I can tell you that um, in Rome, there are two universities which are very, very different from one of each other, because one is the old university, which is more established as you said and there is the new university where the um, also the teachers are even younger and more modern and you have in Milan you have the Politecnico where they are also very oriented into um, more modern things because also it's a city that's not so historical so they focus on modern stuff and in Rome you it's one of the best school if you want a more um, Uh, get specialized into restoration. So I think that's very, very different also in, in inside as like in among Italy, Italian university. It's, it's very different, but you, you've mentioned because I I've started the podcast also in doing it in English, which is not my native language to um, create this sense of awareness that, um, in Europe and among the world, you have a great opportunity to exchange opinions and thoughts and experiences um, among creatives. And you mentioned that your your part you met your partner in in Calabria. Where is she from? Yeah, so my partner Carolina, she's from Poland, and uh, basically she she came on the second semester. Although I was there for a year, so I was already there for three months, and. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, initially there was nothing about architecture in our relationship, but gradually uh, we also started working together. Um, and I think uh, we, we managed to, to kind of uh, build a collaboration between us, which was very helpful in the last years. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's very cool to, to create also this. I know a lot of people that are in a... Um, in a relationship and in a partnership and uh, in uh, between between different countries which enriches their their work too and um you said uh, for example i'm uh, uh, i have the same opinion as you about uh, um the skills you can get because i uh believe that the university it's uh, sort of like when you're going to take your uh, driving license and uh, you know you learn how to drive but then when you start driving on your own it's a little different than what you have been told and i see the uh, university as something like a driving school for architects and it's we learn the real deal when you start working how did you uh, do the transition from being a student to the professional world where how did you um, did that transition um I mean, um, it was not so... Like how mm -hmm. your first job? Yeah, so basically, I mean, I was always 
not always, but from the from the first year of studies, I somehow started. I always wanted to 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 have my own office, let's say. So from early on, I started analyzing what you need to get, what you need to build, let's say, a portfolio, uh, knowledge, etc. Um, to achieve, let's say, uh, to become a, a good architect, as I would thought, think back then, and start your own office, right? So, so it was from the first year that I started. Um, I wanted to do competitions. Uh, first year I couldn't manage. I remember this competition for uh, that was for a kind of uh, cafe in uh, our university. But then from the second year on, I started slowly uh, uh, participating to competitions and then finding friends to, to team up and very often professors to 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 kind of give us the eligibility in, in, uh, in some competitions. Um, so basically, I have to mention that uh, in order to understand like how I started, um, let's say. So that, that gave me a lot of confidence doing competitions and improving. Of course, I was losing most of them. Um, but that didn't matter. It most mattered that my skills were getting better and better, and that I was becoming able faster than my um, than my uh, fellow students in 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 kind of treating a project, right? So it was easier for me to to read the brief or to make the first studies, etc. Um, and so through that process, I also start uh, researching a lot of references. So, so by the by the third year, let's say by the fourth year after the Erasmus in Italy, I already knew that I want to go again abroad uh, and make an internship uh, again with Erasmus. Um, so that's what I did in the uh, third year. I was in Italy. Fourth, I came back in Volos. On the fifth year, then I I, I came to Rotterdam, uh, and I had my first internship in an office called Monolab. Um, for six months, and then because I already consumed with this internship the, the the winter semester, there was no point for me to go back in the fifth year in the spring semester. So then I, I applied again here in Rotterdam, and then uh, I got an internship at OMA, um, which was basically a very um, inspiring uh, moment in my career. Uh, also because. I when I when I went at OMA, um, first of all, I, I, I managed to, to to enter just with my own uh, forces. Let's say I didn't know anyone to suggest me or recommend me there. And then when I went there, I saw that most of the people working there were from Harvard or from uh, AA, big university. So very often they would ask me, "Where did you study from?" And they were expecting something great. And then I was trying to explain them when my small university. Was located, but that was that was that was nice actually, nice feeling because I felt when I came in Netherlands for my first internships, I felt like uh, I had all the uh, equipment uh, I needed from my studies. Uh, so in that sense, that was a confirmation that it was a good um, decision uh, to study in Volos uh, because the young nature of the university and the open-mindedness, let's say, um, had prepared me quite adequately. To 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 integrate, let's say, into the workflow here in, in Netherlands. From from what I've heard from your story, I I think that the your best preparation for your internship was yourself, because um, I've um, got to know people that um, 
are uh, from everywhere, that have studied everywhere, that have been uh, in different international companies. And uh, I think that the the most um, established schools of architecture in the world, they just give you better tools, better chances to make your projects. And, and by that, I mean, probably they uh, give you, I don't know, more printing rooms, more 3D printers, more labs to make better models. And maybe in the less established school, you don't have all that um, infrastructure, let's say. But I know so many people that are uh, successful and uh, got to work uh, in leading companies from small university just because they're driven from by, by a passion. So I think you, from, from your story, you've sound a very passionate uh, person about what you have been doing because I've noticed myself when I was here in Frankfurt, um, I was so, the university was, uh, it's considered, uh, uh, the University of Applied Sciences are kind of like the second like university in Germany because there is also the, the official university. And but just by having all these lasers, by having this um, infrastructure, and I was also very passionate, and I saw that there is the opportunity here to find um, a job for me was very uh, exciting because in back in Italy, the also the economical situation wasn't good, and um, I was pushing myself to do better project. I was very passionate, and as I as you did, I did extra competitions, I did research. Uh, on different very, companies. It's very interesting that you mentioned that because one of the um, one of the notions that I'm very interested in is uh, comfort zone, and so I think uh, I mean it's it's great to have equipment and facilities and resources. That's uh, that's something else, but but they are not um, they are not the only thing you need, right? So usually, if you are too comfortable or if you have too many facilities or if it's too easy let's say to then that doesn't necessarily increase motivation or effort right so i have identified that moments when you kind of go outside of the comfort zone either that's during studies or later in the career that you have less resources maybe you have less support you have but but usually the motivation uh, or the 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 way the, the satisfaction that you may get from a result that you achieved without the support or without those resources can make you feel uh, more motivated and appreciate of course. the result of course better. But uh, no, but what I mean is not the the of course. I mean it's uh, like uh, when you have when you've been when you used to work with less on on your disposal, uh, when you get more, you appreciate it twice because you have this. For example, at my home university, it was so many people; it was almost impossible to use three D printers or laser cutters because there is a, such a long line. And when I arrived in Germany, it was so much easier. So I, I did, uh, you know, in people here were a little bothered because they were like, yeah, you need to pay, I don't know, 50 cents a minute if you use it and it's too expensive. And for me, uh, I was so passionate that I didn't care hmm. about the price. I wanted to make stuff. So I would spend the money that usually people would spend in drinking out into a model or into a printing something. into, And um, I think that, the passion of a person or of a creative especially it's your 
biggest asset because if you if you as you said if you're too comfort and if you're lazy and if you're not passionate even if they put you in the AA or Harvard school you you won't become so 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 good as you could be otherwise and um but how was i think um how was the process at OMA because i've never got the chance to work in a in a big company also because i didn't apply enough because i always wanted also to be um to i don't know to um, i got i got into a job here where i was uh paying good enough to be completely independent and for me that was great so um how is the process in such a world's leading established company i think um I think uh, th- th- there are several parameters, right? And there is there is a way that you experience it when you are an intern or when you are an architect or when you are a senior. So uh, at that time, uh, I was I was having my internship. It, I, I, I experienced it in a very uh, very nice and uh, very exciting way. Um, but there is also I think I would distinguish OMA from any other big office uh, in the sense that. Uh, I think the the magic of OMA uh, has been, and uh, that's what I experienced working there in the process. Uh, I think they have um, a very um, very exciting process through through which they are doing uh, mainly the concept design, I would say, uh, but basically all the phases. Uh, so it's very competitive. It's very intense, uh, but um, it's quite. Um, horizontal uh, when it comes to the creative process. I, I say quite because it can never be in such a big uh, office. <clears throat> it will always be top-down. But uh, let's say if we would have to uh, rank the offices from which is more uh, egalitarian, let's say, in the creative process, then I would say that they were quite they were doing quite well. So as an intern, you would feel um, that you are part of the of the of the booklet of the presentation that you would produce, but also um, through the through the creative process, through the options, and uh, so that's the one parameter that was very exciting and that is difficult to find in offices, like being asked to do an idea and being asked to, to being challenged basically to 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 contribute. Uh, I find it very exciting, and the second, um, the second very exciting uh, parameter, in my opinion, was the prosperity that they had towards uh, towards the project. So basically, maybe you would not get paid very well, maybe you would, you know, you would not, you would complain about many things. But when it came to the project, there was no budget for them. There was no. Uh, no cheapness. Uh, so if you would if you would uh, need let's say materials to make models uh, uh, in order to show a cool concept that you would have, then they would uh, they would be available to you. And so basically, the way that they approach uh, projects is very rich, and I think that that shows in the in the ideas that they generate. Uh, they work a lot with models, uh, with diagrams, uh, with uh, collages, many things that they don't uh, get published, but that they are very important uh, during the creative process. And uh, of course, there is this uh, intellectual dimension uh, that basically results from uh, from um, from um, research, uh, research from Harvard or research within the office, 
and um, from the critical attitude. There was a very, very exciting uh, language spoken uh, in terms of architecture. Uh, it was not just some obsessions or some uh, banal kind of um, indexes of ideas that you would just test. It was, I mean, some, very often you would, they would also repeat concepts. They would also do strange things, but even those would come out of this very exciting process. So um, what I, what I kind of um what i was left with when i when i finished my internship was a lot of excitement a lot of uh ways to do things that i saw and um and the passion about architecture an applied passion and uh, and then i think i didn't find that um those qualities necessarily in other offices that i work afterwards and so that i got to appreciate them even more in the future um, I, I believe that because it sounds, I mean, you can see also from their projects, uh, the, the work they produce, that it's a result of sort of um, natural evolution. And um, what happened after your internship there? Uh, how did you manage to stay? Did you stay in the Netherlands or did you go back or how did you go further on? Yeah, so basically after one year, after two internships, I was really <laughs> eager and uh, I really missed studies. So I went back to my university to basically do the fifth year, uh, one year later. So it, I was on the sixth year, but I had the, all the fifth year to finish, which was um, <clears throat> which was very exciting. Uh, I, I did come in contact with some very important professors, important for... For me, like uh, Zis Cotionis or Lois Papadopoulos or Kostis Pangiris, people that are uh, are known in Greece, but mostly people that would be really um, really nice into into giving the floor to the students, into giving you uh, the the critical attitude and the kind of multiplicity of ways in which you can express certain ideas, right? So that was. That was that, that I first met in OMA, let's say, and then it so happened that I I, I, I worked with the right professors and I kept on uh, working on that line and and so then I was trying to define um, my approach, let's say, or trying to to evolve uh, the way that I work. Um, but basically, yes, that was my graduation year. Um, I was also lucky to be. Uh, assistant to the professor um, to this cotionist in the that second semester of that year uh, so to get a bit involved into the um, into the um, teaching process let's say we also did the research the big research project on the on the last semester parallel to the final project and that was also a very uh, exciting moment uh, research i think it's it's very exciting when it's done um when it's done on topics that you really like to explore right so um, I, it was a very exciting year the last year of studies although it was in the middle of a crisis although it was in the middle of a very misery um very negative uh period 2013 14 also the right wing politics would come up strong at the time um and university the university that I first saw in very prosperous, uh, very exciting condition had become a bit limited. Many 
exciting young professors would have been uh, fired back then or discontinued the contracts. And so it was a difficult but uh, still exciting uh, year, the graduation year. And how did you, in when you graduated in this um, crisis, you were already focused on coming, going back to the Netherlands to continue your career, or what was your plan? Yeah, it was a it was an interesting moment. I always used to work um, during the summers in uh, in Creta, so in restaurants and hotels, and. Uh, just uh, spending the summer and uh, by, by working at the same time. So that summer, um, before that summer, my partner Carolina, she was already having an internship um, at uh, Kengokuma in Japan. And um, <clears throat> uh, she came back for the summer to Creta to spend to, to spend together. And, uh, and she, they offered her an extension so she could go back there. And at the same time, they also offered me a position, an interest position, Kengokuma. So we were in a dilemma. Um, at the same time, that summer, we did our proposal for the Guggenheim Museum in Helsinki, which was uh, quite an intense collaboration between us. Um, it was also a binding moment between us professionally. And so that was a critical moment, uh, decision that we had to decide, basically, if we would go uh, for this very exciting experience in Japan, or if we're gonna um, uh, pursue something in Europe, and so basically um, <clears throat> the experience in Japan would have been also uh, an investment from ourselves because Japanese offices they didn't pay, or they pay very few. Uh, so then we decided to come back in Rotterdam because I had these few uh, savings from working the summer, and. Uh, Actually, I also got a bit saturated uh, in terms of meeting new places. I wanted to settle somewhere, and I wanted us to start uh, doing uh, projects that could lead us somewhere. So basically, as I said in the beginning, I always wanted to start my own office or our, or our own office. So basically, we decided to come back in Rotterdam, um, which we did. And uh, then we started working again in offices here. <clears throat> I worked at uh, Shift Architecture and Urbanism, very exciting uh, emerging office here in the Netherlands. And uh, what is it called again? Shift, Shift Architecture and Urbanism. Okay. And um, then beside that, you kept doing competitions. Yeah, so basically uh, in 2015, after my another internship at Shift, I was basically uh, unemployed for three months. I was searching for another job. And um, and we did the Bauhaus competition, the Bauhaus Museum in the Sao. Um, and that was, I saw it as an opportunity for me to basically um put together what i have learned or what so basically i did it myself in these three months together with my partner which helped after work because she was already working at the time and um and that was a turning point uh because uh, first of all we decided to do two submissions not one uh because we had two ideas and we could not uh, eliminate one of two <laughs> Uh, but also because it was a lot of work done basically by one person, 1 1.2, if you consider the time invested by Carolina. 
and uh, we got shortlisted in the second phase um, and we went to the SAO and all the shortlisted uh, architects were there in the event and they guided us around and basically that was the first time that uh, we won something it was nothing big, we lost the competition in the end um, but that showed um, what 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 there is behind uh, a competition, let's say. So that gave us a lot of motivation and a lot of uh, confidence, let's say. And so then uh, by um, by summer, I started working at Meccano. Uh, we lost this competition, although we got in the second phase. And uh, there I... I the, there we decided to do the, the competition for the library in Varna, uh, basically that summer. And that was, uh, um, that, was a, that was a project, let's say, in which I, I, we managed to put, uh, to assemble a team of five people working after work, of course, and on the weekend. And um, and so that and that year we won that competition and basically that, that, that gave uh, a lot of, uh, satisfaction in the sense that you know you lose so many like I think I, I had lost like 25 competitions back um, before the yeah but that's like training you know it's like you cannot go to the gym and lift 100 kilograms on the bench press in the first time you need to to fail to fail a lot of times before that um, and um, I agree I mean you I, said I, I, mm-hmm. yeah I personally never thought that any of the competitions that uh, I did or that we did in different configurations, uh, I never thought that's a waste uh, of uh, of work. Basically, I think that's the first realization someone has to do to keep doing competitions. I thought that it's always uh, an improvement and it's always an experience. And of course, it's a portfolio to the point that uh, when I was applying uh, for uh, for my second internship at OMA, uh, for example, I didn't have any academic projects in the portfolio. It was only competitions. And I think that got um, appreciated uh, by the employers. I think that um, I like to repeat this way of saying that every overnight success is the result of uh, 10 years hard work. So, or at least yeah. something like that. So you you have the experience to to work under stress, to also deal with the loss, maybe um, keep keep going. So I I, I don't think that it's um, a failure. For example, I have also read a book about Miss Van der Rohe where he says that when he was moving to the U.S., he he had a library of five hundred books, but he took only fifty that were useful but he said the other 150 weren't weren't useless they were just useful to understand what doesn't work so (laughs) i think there is no no junk creativity or no junk projects you just make and learn out of it and as you said you build a portfolio so if you go to a client and you show you have 20 projects maybe he likes some of them it's um yeah it's always uh, a plus for for yourself um, but I was wondering because I have had this idea of making competitions always and to um, put up together a team. But I think that how did you manage to work in a team where there is no uh, clear boss? Because for like for example, um, how do you take a decision? I mean, you need to be whether lucky or 
or some somehow lead those people towards your project or your ideas or to have they to put the ideas together in a very democratic way how was that because in office you have the hierarchy so when there is a conflict maybe there is the manager of how did you how do you deal with this i'm just yeah. curious uh, so that's a very good question and i think that's a very important part of um of how we have been doing this because you are right i mean you have to if you if you imagine that you do for example three or four competitions per year which are done on the weekends or after work so in very harsh decisions for everybody in the team then indeed uh, i always thought that you you really have to to find people but also motivate them and the important is that you don't do just one competition but you do a second one and a third one with the same people and uh, and you you build the expertise together but most of the people then because you would keep losing they would just do two or three competitions and then they will drop uh, so very early very from very early on i thought that motivation is a very important parameter so you have to motivate yourself and the team uh and and motivation then if you analyze it further then probably it means excitement so you do have to excite people and yourself and the team uh and um and uh, and, the, the, and the third element is let's say the expectation that you, you you do it thinking that you can win it right so you don't do it just to do it you go for the prize uh, and so analyzing these three parameters, I, 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 it was clear that it has to be a teamwork, that it has to be um, a way of deciding, which is democratic, let's say, so, so that everybody can keep motivated and believe in it and, uh, and keep participating. But I think it's very helpful, the, the Dutch way of working. Uh, I, I, was, I was early on in my studies very excited about the super Dutch generation. And um, and by working in the Netherlands, I also start exploring and exploring it firsthand, which is basically the idea of working with options and not with a single idea. So if you work with a single idea, that means that single person must have this single idea and that imposes to the rest. But if you work with options and if you test ideas, then it helps you um, create a process which is evolutionary let's say so you don't have big decisions you don't have few big decisions to make but you have many small decisions right and i think that helps a lot i think historically it's something that is attributed to elias egelis in his teaching uh, at uh, aa and in the berlache uh, it said that he could uh, inspire students um to to do great job uh, and then it was never clear at the end uh, whose idea was which idea. So, and I think that's that's done through working with ideas, with options, with uh, testing things, discussing in every in every moment of the process. And so, basically, I think it's mostly about the process. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good way of proceeding. And um, I was curious, but that by but that time you were working at Meccano and doing it after work. But was the um, architects for urbanity already um, a thing, or was it still um, uh, you were still like let's say just a team of people? How how was that? Um, 
Yeah, that's also a very good question. Like, um, it's a bit difficult to trace it, but basically, I, I started doing competitions. I said from the second year with a group of friends. Then they would get tired and drop, and they would find some other friends and some professors that would participate. And then uh, I met when I met Carolina uh, early on in the third year. She started participating in competitions with us. Then she would get a more uh, she would get more present into this competition submissions. Like in Guggenheim, in um, Guggenheim Museum, for example, it would be mostly her doing the final presentation, and um, and so on. There would be people coming and going, and I would keep uh, kind of. Uh, collecting this experience and these uh, files and these uh, ideas, let's say. Uh, and so when we did the, uh, the Bauhaus competition, uh, it was already uh, a moment where we thought we, we are very close to starting an office um, when we got in the second phase. And um, I basically... Uh, during my studies, I got very interested in the idea of... in the notion of urbanity. Uh, which, as it seems, it's a very old notion. It's a, it's, it's a word that they were using. Uh, there are a lot of mentions of, of this notion in the pre-industrial era, in the 17th and 18th century. And that is not very, very popular today. But uh, that, that I, I found it very exciting. So we knew uh, that we want to start an office and we knew that we want to, to be around the notion of urbanity, let's say which you understand as a total engagement with the city, right? You don't see a plot just as a plot or a neighborhood just a neighborhood, but you you see it as part of the whole network of the city you know, in, in a few words. And so basically we started already using the name Architects for Urbanity in, the, in our submission for the Bauhaus. Back then there was no office. And then um, when we did the Varna Library, we had um, three, uh, two, two team members that, that did a competition for the first time with us. We had a, a friend that, was <clears throat> that had done a couple of other competitions with us, and there was me and Carolina. Uh, and so basically after, after we won the competition, we decided with Carolina to start the office formally because we were expecting to, to get a contract and uh, the next phases. And then we proposed to our... Uh, uh, collaborator Marina uh, Kunavi uh, to join us into establishing the office. So three of us then would uh, would uh, officially set it up, uh, find a space, uh, all this, register the company, and um, and basically dive into a new round of competition projects, trying to get even more projects. Right, doing acquisitions and um, um, and setting it up properly. Let's say. But are you a um, registered uh, architect in the Netherlands or some of you? Is... Yeah, uh, Netherlands, Bulgaria and Greece, basically. And uh, you are registering in those three countries as an architect. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is the process behind getting uh, the, the, the license, let's say, in the, in the Netherlands and uh, in Greece and in Bulgaria? Is it... When you have it in one country, is it easier to, to, to get it in the other two because it's European Union or? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's actually a discussion or a, that was very, very annoying for me because I'm, I'm generally, I don't like so much bureaucracy and um, all these old school kind of applications and documents. And, but basically, it's a bit different in every country. <clears throat> 
I first registered in uh, Bulgaria uh, because we had to sign uh, the building permit application for the library in Varna. And there uh, it was a fairly simple process. They basically needed uh, to prove at least two years of experience in another office, which I had. Um, and uh, that was it with a couple of uh, uh, documents. In Greece, it involves basically a, an interview with a jury that the, the Chamber of Architects kind of uh, sets up, set, uh, puts together, and then uh, that was it. Uh, and then in Netherlands, uh, it's also a different system. I think for young architects now, they change it. They have to do two years of uh, internship, or uh, you know, like they have to be. They have to register hours for two years. But for me, for for architects that are registered in their own country, depending on the country, I think, it was uh, almost automatic. Uh, so having but been in Bulgaria, you needed just to prove you have work in an architectural office, no matter if it was in Bulgaria or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. and of course, that you had a proper diploma, qualified diploma, etc. But, uh, okay, that sounds also because this um I always try you know to combine in my chats with the guests uh, the the theoretical let's say or the the cool part which is about how to how it's the process how is the creativity but I always try to also join a little with the practical um, parts of it the bureaucracy to to explain you know if you want to do something like if it what you have done what are the challenges in these other spheres let's say too and uh, when you were starting the um, the company uh did you quit your job and just uh put your efforts completely so you you started the company officially after you got the contract with the library of varna right yeah, so basically after the we the announcement of the results, we there was a period of a um, few months where nothing happened. Then there was an event in Varna, which we, we attended with the mayor when they gave us um, uh, the award, let's say. Basically, I think the mayor told the media that he gave us a contract for the next phase, but uh, we got a paper, like a certificate that we won the competition. But that was fine because we met the client, the board of the library and, uh, and the, the board of the municipality. And uh, we also tried to excite them more by presenting the projects and uh, getting to know them. And then there was a, a few more months where nothing happened again. And then we tried to push them um, to, to, to get a contract, what they promised basically to the media and what was mentioned in the brief. And then we did sign a contract. <clears throat> and then uh, in, over the summer of 2016, and then uh, we had uh, a lot to do. We basically had to quit our jobs, uh, find an office space, uh, set up an office, understand all the bureaucracy that uh, involves uh, doing projects abroad and how you invoice and how you pay the VIT and the taxes. It was basically a whole new world that we had no idea about. And we don't teach at school. Um, and that we had to 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 go through by researching, asking colleagues, and uh, talking, and uh, yeah, basically very exciting, but also very stressful and difficult. Um, and uh, what was what was 
um, you can tell me something that's approximate. Let's say, what was the initial investment you needed to to do to set up your office? And you are three people in your office, three partners, from what I understood, uh, right? Um, since 2018, we are two, me and uh, Carolina. But uh, basically, uh, to start the initial investment was depends what you want to do. I mean, if you want to do a very luxurious, uh, high-class office, uh, maybe another discussion. But was around two 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 thousand five hundred euros to five thousand euros, so not not that much, let's say. Uh, of course, back then we also got our first payments for the for the project, and then part of our first payments we invested into into furniture and uh, computers and software um, so yeah I mean it's a considerable cost let's say that you have to it's a considerable investment uh, that you have to put in the beginning but indeed that's why you do it when you when you actually get a contract when you get a project so there is no point to really um, make that investments before that moment. Although you can do competitions or you can try to find clients without doing that investment initially in the first place. Um, so uh, I think the conclusion is that uh, it's not a big deal to start an office. Um, it's more important to, to manage to find projects and clients and basically do a great job. I think that's the most, uh, where the most attention should go um, rather than the setup itself, which takes a bit of time, takes a bit of stress, takes a bit of effort, but basically it's not a big deal. I've um, watched, um, I don't remember anymore if it was the, there is a movie and um, there is a Netflix um, documentary abstract about Bjorke Ingels, who is also a very established uh, world-renowned architect. And um, in this movie or um, show, he was saying that uh, for every architect, the very hard moment is to get the first building done. And then, because the first time when you don't have a background, nobody is willing to take the risk to give you an assignment to to build a building and um i wanted to i was wondering since you have won the the competition of the varna library which is um a huge project so for for the people who are listening if you don't know about the project you can check it on the website of architects of for urbanity or just google it and you'll find a lot of um pictures about it um did that help you to find further uh, clients, further assignments, even maybe not always through competitions. Did that change a lot your perspective on that point of view? Uh, yes and not. Uh, at the same time, uh, basically, it brought quite quite a quite a lot of uh, media uh, recognition and uh, a lot of excitement, but uh, it did not. Uh, bring um, new projects uh, by its own, let's say. So, um, but it also depends a bit like what you want to do because for us, um, the first two years, uh, the most important thing is to was to actually do this next stages of this project. We're talking about a, a 28,500 square meters public building, which in itself it's a, 
a very difficult task uh, for a for a team uh, of five people back then. We were I was 26 years old um, with very little experience in later phases. So basically, there was a lot of energy invested into uh, doing the project, the, next, the, the, the design development and the technical study and get the building permit. So that kept us quite busy and quite focused. Um, and of course, at the same time, we would do competitions as always. Um, and uh, we would start uh, a very, a very important collaboration for us with the office City Foster um, here in Rotterdam, uh, with which we are doing three projects in Albania, uh, two of which are in construction. So basically, to to answer your uh, your question, uh, it helped a lot winning the library and uh, having some. Um, some attention in the media and among colleagues, but it's not that um, it brought uh, clients or projects. You still have to to go after um, acquisitions and um, try to get those projects. Yeah. And um, how many people are you now in the office? Are still now with small. the pandemic, we are uh, we are very small. Basically, uh, usually we, we try to keep uh, five people. I think five people is a very good number to feel uh, that you are a team. Um, but basically, now it's it's changing with the pandemic. Um, um, yeah, so we are three uh, to five. Depends on which time. And um, by keeping it that small, let's say, because as you said, you have had this period of times where you were very busy and also, let's say, side um, side tasks which are not directly connected to, to architecture. Um, by keeping it that small, are you still able to focus a lot on designing? Or how do you manage that part? Because I know that a lot of people who are um transitioning from being employees to be employers they sometimes have so many side tasks to 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 do that the the design part gets marginal more and more yeah that's a good point i think you're right but uh, for me uh, there is more design than there is administration, or I mean, I try to do all that, all the administration and uh, non-design stuff very efficiently and fastly, because that's nothing that it's uh, pleasant or, or exciting, and try to focus most of the time and effort into design, basically. So and um, mm -hmm. yeah, and so you, I've seen on on because when you go through the website of your studio of your firm. You have the overview page about you and Carolina, and um, there is the, you are also uh, lecturing, right? Like you have been invited for lectures. Yeah, lectures I think are very, very exciting and very, uh, very interesting um, activity in the sense that first of all you get a chance to talk about your work, right? And uh, and uh, meet new people and um, but it's also a very nice opportunity to make a self-critique and to reflect because we are usually designing making submissions presentation booklets we are really absorbed in the work 
And when you are giving a lecture, basically you have to zoom out, organize what you're going to show, why, what you're going to say. And I find it very, very interesting um, activity in the, in the way that it makes makes you think uh, about your work. And, uh, and, um, and basically, it's also a very exciting moment for an architect to travel, to present, to meet, to hear positives, negatives, get feedback, and uh, go back in the office uh, with new motiva- motivation. So where where have you hold your lectures so far? Where have you been lecturing? Um, well, of course, now with the pandemic is not uh, something relevant. But, uh, recently, I, uh, um, I gave a lecture in a webinar in North Macedonia, uh, invited by Sara Simoska, a very young and interesting colleague. Uh, I was in December in the University of Warsaw, um, and uh, before that we have lectured uh, for the uh, for the students that w- that uh, are about to get registered as architects here in Rotterdam. We have been in the building, uh, we've been le- lecturing the building forum in uh, Sofia a few years ago. Uh, two years ago, we were uh, I lectured in the Share conference in Sofia as well, and uh, yeah, there have been a couple of other uh, events. But basically, it's nice to get invited and um, and participate into into those events. I think. And um, do you think that those uh, preparing for those events have? Uh, created uh, help you to be more aware of your work because um, I've noticed a lot of times when you're producing something uh, you do the process uh, in your team or in your mind if you want to say if you're working alone but when you need to explain something to someone else uh, you need to make it more logical than actually is so did that help you to be more aware of your work so far and did this awareness if you have gotten more awareness help you for the for the for the future projects that you have done after those lectures um i'm not sure if i understood your question to be honest um yeah i was asking you if you were um by lecturing other um people on your work if that helped you be more aware of your projects, of what was your process, because while doing your project, it's you're more into the zone, into the process, into the creating, into the the concept. And when you look back after a while and you need to explain it also to other people, did that make you more, more aware of your process? And by being more aware of your process, were you better in your next project? Yeah, definitely. I think that's, uh, that helps a lot. Uh, I mean, when you lecture uh, in st- for students, for example, you do have to, to provide them with uh, some uh, input, right? You, you cannot just PR or show your projects or show off or you have to go there in a modest way and uh, give them something. Uh, so basically, you have to also f- go through your work and identify uh, what is uh, relevant, what is radical, what is worth sharing, what is educational, what is uh, what provides uh, people with knowledge. 
Um, and 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 of course, those are the nice lectures. And then you have also lectures that are more business um, conferences. And then of course, yeah, and you, you go a bit more flashy, trying to promote your work. But uh, I think it it makes you think, indeed. It makes you reflect. It makes you make yourself critique, and uh, definitely, it makes you think. Uh, more when you do the next project. Uh, in, in, in advance, you think which qualities you want to put into the project and then therefore which qualities you want to share, uh, either that's in a lecture or a workshop. Um, yeah, you have to create content and quality um, to be able to communicate it uh, uh, to people and that being worth uh, their time. And uh, I was wondering, because you are two two people basically leading the office, you and Carolina, is there are there moments where you um, you have conflict conflictual discussions about your work uh, or how? Um, because you know, as you said, it's a sort of an evolutionary work. So when you have an internal discussion about a project and the development of an idea. Um, are you still managing to to, to be to to hello to agree you mean yeah to agree to to hold your ideas loose so that if you say that you consider uh, her idea bad or she considers your idea bad that you don't get into a conflict yeah that's that's a good question I mean that's a good topic uh, and that's I think that's not a topic that I can really analyze because I'm just into it, so I don't really think about it that much. But we are, uh, luckily, we are complementary to each other as personalities and in the way that we understand architecture. So that doesn't create many structural classes to, to begin with. Of course, in the creative process, you always have arguments and that they are welcomed, of course, and the... And, you know, through arguing, you also have to build arguments. And those arguments then are are ideas that impl get, impl get into the project. Um, so there is nothing special there. I think uh, we tend to talk too much in the office, so to discuss a lot. And we, we tend to discuss always on material that we have prepared. So we never just discuss, but we... We, we do, then we think, then we discuss, then we think, and then we redo. So in that sense, uh, the process um, avoids, helps you to not conflict so much. It's more about adding, changing, and improving, um, and deciding, basically. So once you have your options laid, once you discuss them, then usually the strongest one uh, make, this, make themselves... Um, Uh, present, let's say. So usually it's a very soft, smooth process in terms of uh, deciding. Not much to conflict there. And uh, from from what I, I understood, you are also partners, not only architecturally and business, but also in your personal life, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is it? Um, do you have a? Sp Is it is it a so can you divide kind of your working time from your free time or um, there is no like you're always into your um, you can combine personal 
let's say, personal time talking about architecture or you try to concentrate on other stuff of your life when you're not at the office and not working? Or how, how do you manage that aspect? Yeah, but um, I also don't think about that much, to be honest. <laughs> it just happens. Uh, but basically, uh, we tend to talk about uh, personal stuff when we are at home or when we are not in the office, and we take, tend to not talk about personal stuff, but only about professional when we are in the office. And then, of course, you get a bit of the one in, when you run to the other. So sometimes we discuss work at home, but then it's very efficiently. And if we really have to to decide something or to arrange something so basically we don't sit home talking about architecture necessarily and we almost never uh, talk personal stuff when we are at work and I think that's that's important to fine-tune so it's a work in progress of course but uh, personally I, I never had a problem with architects uh, hanging out with architects like sometimes I hear colleagues saying like I would never make a project with my partner or I would I don't like going out and having drinks with architects I can I see where, where they come from but for me it has been always a pleasure um, it's always a pleasure to, to hang out with colleagues to have drinks and uh, I never thought that working with my partner in life would be a problem I just thought that uh, there, there, there for sure will be some aspects that we have to work on and fine-tune. So the yeah, starting point was not negative. Yeah, you have this basic, uh, basically this common ground to start and build on, up on. So it's, uh, I think it's even an advantage. And so um, I think, I think we have had a very thirty-six degree around discussion. Um, I want to, because it's also for the people they don't know, but we record the podcast on Sunday afternoon. So then I don't want to take too much away from your uh, personal time away. I wanted to ask you like a last question. Um, what for you it's um, because you have, ha you, you are a very experienced person. Uh, um, competitor in the architectural field because you have taken part of many many architectures so if you would say what is the most what what is the what for you are the the things that makes you win a competition so if you want to give an advice for the people who are listening what they should focus on if they want to one day dream they dream to win a competition if you have any clear idea or advice you would give um yeah that's that's a good point um i think uh first of all i think i'm i'm too young and too inexperienced to be able to give advices but if i would have to talk about it i think like uh, when I when I was uh, younger, before winning the library, for example, there were moments where I was trying to think uh, tricks or easy or ways to easily win a competition. <laughs> so there was there were discussions about how can you find this amazing idea that will make everybody crazy and you would win it. And so when we won the library, uh, which actually happened after many lost competitions, after many attempts and many disappointments, um, I, real I realized that basically um, 
to win a competition, you need to keep on doing competitions, so not give up, keep improving, basically put a lot of hard work and uh, a team. Uh, I think it's a teamwork. Architecture is basically has always been a teamwork. And um, and uh, so for me, it's it's very hard work. It's very um, mod- modesty in the sense that you have to accept failures. You have to accept um, that many times you are ignored, you are you you are rejected. You are uh, even when you have a good idea, maybe sometimes it's not communicated well. So you have to improve the way that you communicate uh, your concepts. Um, so basically, I think there are no easy ways to to win competitions. But there are no tricks. It's just hard, persistent, consistent, and uh, ongoing uh, work um, on that on that aspect. Let's say. But uh, well, competitions I... are only one way to 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 explore architecture, right? So maybe they are not for everybody. Um, maybe other some people have could unfold their talent and ideas through research or through commissions or through working experience. Uh, certainly it's a very painful um, direction that can be very rewarding for sure. I think uh, I think that's still a good uh, good uh, advice. A good uh, it's a set uh, mindset. You need to be persistent, as you said, and uh, learn from your failures and keep uh, improving. There was, also, there was also a nice. I mean, there, there have been also, you know, the, there have been some very interesting competitions through history. Uh, one of my next research projects, I think, would be like how competitions have evolved, right? Um, but uh, I was also very surprised when I was working at OMA. Uh, the only times that you would see uh, Kulhas being in the office or being engaged with the team would either be a competition project or maybe some important research uh, project or like the Biennale that they were doing uh, at the time. So that gave me, you know, it was was interesting that um, big successful architect, let's say, uh, towards the end of his career, he would still be interested in competitions. So I think they can be, if you do it properly in a way, it can be a, a constant stream of excitement you always do something new a new context uh, it's always there's a deadline so you you have to start it has to, it needs to have a beginning a start and an end right and uh, we used to do also this internal booklets in the office so when we do a competition we have a basically an indesign it's our internal document where we put everything so that keeps everybody in the team updated and uh, that keeps the process kind of running. And in the end, we just wrap it up and make it a booklet for ourselves. And so then we put them next to each other. There are there are ways to 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 keep the excitement going, let's say, and to to try to capture the knowledge that you generate through them. Uh, as we said, then it's not a lost effort; it's just an ongoing um, thing that you do. You do you keep doing and then you know sometimes you win most of the times you lose in the future they can also be invited competitions so the the chances can increase by time of course so but it's definitely not the only way uh, to to approach architecture of course of course um i'm very very thankful because um i got to basically to get to know you through this this uh, conversation we have had 
Um, I think that it's uh, you are super inspiring, and uh, I've noticed that you are super uh, passionate and in love with what you do. And I'm I'm very thankful that you decided to give a chance to my to my podcast to give this talk that I'm sure the audience will find very interesting and very inspiring from themselves too. Um, every guest uh, gets the, the last minutes to, to give the audience the shout out where people can get in touch with you or explore more of your work and um, architectural projects, if you can tell more. Yeah, I also want to thank you very much. Uh, I wish you a lot of luck with the podcast. I think you are in a very interesting uh, direction. Uh, it's very wide, the spectrum that you are covering through the podcast. And I think if you put the right amount of effort and consistency, I think it's you're going to do great. And I'm looking forward to see the next episodes, uh, of course. For As for the social media, I think people can just search for Arctics or Banting, Facebook or Instagram or on the internet. It's not difficult to find us if you are interested about our work. But yeah, that's that's all I would like to say. I will I will add down to the description uh, the links of the Instagram page of uh, Jurgen of uh, Architects for Urbanity of their website. So people, if you want to go go check directly on the links and as um, I got now very um, excited about your work and um, um, I'm using this last also minutes to tell you that um, it was uh, it's the first time I have the chance to see uh, one side of a story from the grounding of an office and uh, maybe in the next episode if uh, Carolina has time and will she can also come on the podcast and and tell her side of the story of architects of for Bunny I think it's going to be very interesting to see how she will tell the story Definitely. and I would uh, be very curious to listen to that <laughs> so uh, Carolina if you're listening you know that you have uh, the invitation and um, for the people who are listening Thank you. You can support the podcast, which is totally free for you um, by just uh, sharing it with your friends, by subscribing on the platform you're listening. And you can follow the podcast on the different social media, which are Instagram at TCI Podcast and uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook, the pages, The Creative Insider. So thank you again one more time and thank you for, for your time and bye. Have a good weekend. Thank you very much. See you soon. You too.
like that.